so good to be here to share God's with you, word with you this morning. And uh, speaking of that, if you have a Bible with you, turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to be going through ver- from verse 17 in Deuteronomy chapter 7, from verse 17 through chapter 8, verse 1. So I'm going to read these and follow along in your Bible. Or I think it's on the screen behind me. And then we'll uh, see what God has to say f- to us this morning. Deuteronomy 7, 17 through chapter 8, verse 1. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them, even until the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Do not cover the silver and gold on them, and do not take it for yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. Utterly abhor and detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Lord Jesus, um, great songs this morning. Thank you so much for your blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Thank you for its sufficiency its efficiency. Thank you that it made us right and perfect and clean in the eyes of your Father. Thank you, Father, for giving us to Jesus. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for giving us this word to encourage us and challenge us, convict us and guide us. Lord, just use your word in, in, in unexpected and exciting ways this morning and uh, take, take it and take us out of this place into our worlds and use it in a very practical and real way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most encouraging truths in the Word of God for every believer in Christ is that God is faithful to come through for us in our time of need, regardless of our circumstances, or how small or how large our need is. God is faithful to come through for us every single time. Amen? You know, whether we need clarity for some kind of confusion in our life, whether we need guidance or wisdom or provision or deliverance or resolution, whether we need physical, mental, emotional strength for some kind of challenge that came into our lives kind of unexpectedly, God gives us an ironclad promise. I will meet your needs. And that's an awesome promise. And no doubt some of you 
have come into this area of worship today with needs. Some of them are small. Some of them are gaping and aching needs. And you just want to know that God will come through for you in your time of need. You're facing struggles and challenges, difficult or maybe even overwhelming odds or circumstances. You're, you're facing a cloud of confusion about your future, some issue that um, you're facing. Some, maybe it's a difficulty at work or, or financial pressure, maybe some type of human opposition, a difficult relationship or uh, family problems. Maybe you just need clear direction in some area. Maybe you're here and you need an emotional healing of some kind. And you just feel like you've been down so long, you don't know what's, what's going on. Okay? Now, let's be honest. Most of us face one or more of these challenges uh, at, at regular intervals throughout our lives. We just face stuff that causes us to hurt. It's how life works. It's not going to be perfect till we get to heaven, and you have no doubt found out as a Christian that you're not immune from needs and problems and hurts and pain. It's just not the way it's going to be until we go to be with the Lord. But God promises us. He promises us throughout his word that no matter how difficult the things that we are that we face, no matter how unexpected, no ma matter how overwhelming they are, he promises us that he will work on our behalf. And he'll do it in unusual, unexpected, surprising uh, ways, wonderful ways. So let's do this as we start today. I want you to do something in your mind. If you want to bow your head and close your eyes, that's fine. If you just want to look at me and pretend you're listening to my sermon this morning, go ahead and do that. But just do something like this. In your mind, I want you to fill in the following blank as a prayer to the Lord. Just say, Lord, right now, as I sit here this morning, I'd like you, I, I, I pray that you provide for me in this area. And just, just fill in the blank, whatever that area is. I pray that you'd help me in this area, that you'd intervene for me in this area, that you'd work on my behalf in this area, that you'd guide me, lead me, come through for me, deliver me, strengthen me, give me wisdom for, restore me in this particular area and fill in the blank just before the Lord, between you and him this morning. Maybe you made a bad decision or a poor decision. Maybe you said something you regret. You ever do that? <laughs> I sure have. Um, maybe you went down the wrong path for a while. Maybe you just want a, a future that's brighter than your past, okay? You know, God's faithful to put the pieces of a bad decision, and I'm telling you that by personal experience, over and over again. God will put the pieces of a bad decision back together if you trust him. He'll bring a blessing out of a bad situation. I, I've been astonished over the years to see how God can put things together when we've blown them apart, okay? But, as you might guess, okay, if we're going to see God's faithfulness and his deliverance in real practical ways as we go through life, we have some things to do on our part of the bargain, okay? And this morning, we're going to look at those things, and we're going to use the nation of Israel as a template, okay, for our own lives, as God promises to come through for them in specific and dramatic ways if they do what he tells them. And we're going to move kind of rapidly, 
And uh, I've given Tamara a heads up. We're, we're not going to uh, go slow. We'll go fast. But there are eight ways, eight things rather, eight truths that we need to apply here from this passage if we're going to have God come through for us. Number one, we need to honestly relate to the situation in this passage. Not fake it like nothing's happening. Not point the finger at somebody else like it's their fault. We need to honestly uh, relate to the situation in this passage. Um, verses 17 and 18. The Lord says to Israel, You may say to yourselves, These nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid. And because of what they were facing here, God's people, the Jews, were filled with anxiety. They were filled with doubt and fear. They were filled with insecurity and uncertainty. And they were talking themselves be, uh, and questioning themselves because uh, they were feeling threatened by their enemies and their circumstances. And they, started, they were starting to forget about God. And uh, they were taking the burden of the situation upon themselves and wondering how they were ever going to get through this situation, this difficulty. And basically, if you want to put it in terms that we can understand, they were a nervous wreck. They just were, okay? We've all been there, facing things that just kind of take us over. In fact, Jesus, in the New Testament, in the Sermon on the Mount, told us that anxiety and worry and fear because of life's problems and circumstances can take us over if we're not careful. Jesus gave worry and fear and anxiety almost human characteristics in the New Testament. In Matthew 6, 34, it says, Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious or worried about itself. So Jesus gives worry almost a human kind of characteristic. Well, who were these nations that are referred to here in verse 17? Well, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, we have a list of them. And it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Taillites, the Headlights, the flashlights, every ite there is, they were facing. And some of these nations were very warlike and very, very uh, aggressive and intimidating, pagan, and they were dug into where they, they lived. They were intimidating. The Jews were not an intimidating people. They were primarily shepherds and tradesmen, not warriors and fighters and soldiers. I, no doubt you've heard of G.I. Joe, right? Have you ever heard of G.I. Jew? No. G.I. <laughs> Joe, not G.I. Jew. The Jews are not normally a warlike people, even today, even though they have an army in Israel. But that's not their nature. They were peace-loving. And they were threatened by these violent, pagan, dug-in, warrior-like cultures. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that because I constantly, and I'm sure you could agree with me, I think you can we're constantly faced with things that, that, um, that are stronger than we are. We're constantly finding ourselves in over our head, th facing things that are beyond our ability to, to resolve in and of our own selves. And the first thing that we need to do is just to get honest about it and say, I'm in this situation, and, and Lord, uh, this is bigger than me, and I don't know what to do. That's how we 
have God work on our behalf. We just get upright, honest with him and say, Lord, um, I can't handle this. The second thing we need to do if we're going to see God come through for us is we need to remember God's past faithfulness to us. I want you to look at verses 18 and 19. But do not be afraid. And you know, it says there in verse 18, do not be afraid. And what that is saying here is, I'm about to give you the antidote to fear. I'm about to give you the antidote to worry and anxiety here. And he does. He says, do not be afraid of them. And here's, here's the antidote. Remember what? One person saw that. One person. Remember what? What? Three people. Oh, so if I keep going, by 1130, I'll have all of you in the same place, okay? Remember well. Say that with me. Remember well what God has done in the past. Remember it. Remembering what God has done in the past gets us through the present. What? Forgetfulness about what God's already done for us so many times causes fear. But remembering removes the fear. As, as we've already said, when we're faced with intimidating or difficult circumstances or crucial needs, we're prone to become a slave to the fear that those give us. Okay? Because we don't know what to do. We don't know how to resolve the situation, what the outcome's going to be. We wonder if we're going to make it this time. And it's at this time, what we need to do is focus and concentrate and think about God's past track record with us. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you, God has a track record with you. And every time you've gotten into a difficult spot, you cannot tell me honestly that and you, when you availed yourself of God's mercy that he did not get you through that situation. But you know what happens? When we face a new challenge, we experience what is called spiritual amnesia. At least I do. And I'll face a new situation and I'll go, where are you, God? What are you going to do about this one? And I forget all the times that God took me through the most complicated, difficult situations in my life as a Christian for over 40 years. And so it helps us when we're in uh, a difficult spot to look at God's track record. Even now, right now, you can do this while we're here. You can, I just challenge you to kind of listen and think at the same time of the t a time or two or ten where God delivered you. You were facing a financial shortfall, a difficult relationship, a, 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 a crisis, and you went to the Lord and you said, God, I don't know how to handle this. And God came through and you rejoiced before the Lord and said, thank you once again, God, for coming through for me. And when we do that and we think back, because we don't think back and we experience spiritual amnesia, but when we do that, we go, oh, okay, sorry for pushing the panic button, Lord. You came through then, you're going to come through now. Look what Moses does here. It's really interesting. What, is, what, what experience that the Israelites had does he bring up in verse uh, 18 and 19? Huh? I can't hear. The deliverance from Egypt, right? The exodus. Do you know what I found shocking? I should have known this because I've read the Old Testament. How often God does this with the Israelites. Over and over 
and over and over and over and over and over again through the Old Testament, God brings up the Exodus, how he sent the ten plagues on Egypt, how he defeated Pharaoh and turned the staff into a, uh, uh, into a snake or whatever he did. I can't remember. Uh, or the part of the Red Sea. Over and over again, they get into this difficult spot, and God says, well, remember when I took you out? Remember how I parted the Red Sea and then closed it in on your enemies after you got through? I mean, I've got verses all through here that I could take you to to prove that point. I'm not going to do it because of time constraints, but each time we face this looming issue or problem, whatever it is, go back and think of when God parted your Red Sea and say, thank you, you did it then, you're going to do it now. Remember his past faithfulness and, and it'll help you. Let's go to a third one here. There, there are eight. If we want to see God come through for us in a real way, we've got to relate to the situation honestly and remember God's past faithfulness. But third, we've got to rely on God's power, not our own. God's power, okay? Well, let me ask you a question. What do the initials, capital D-I-Y, stand for? Do it yourself. Have you noticed the, the increase in the number of do-it-yourself sites on, on the Internet, on the, online? And there's, there's, they're all over the place. You can do s- stuff yourself in so many areas that you never could because there are people online that will instruct you. Okay, there's even, I think, a channel called the Do-It-Yourself channel on TV. Do-It-Yourself. You know what I've, what I've discovered, though? I've not yet to see a channel or a website that has a DIY site for Christians. There isn't one. You'll never see a DIY site for succeeding in the Christian life and for handling all of the trials and tricks and traumas and tribulations and troubles that life will throw at you. Never. Not in the Bible or anywhere else. No amount of common sense, no amount of elbow grease, no amount of guesswork, no amount of creativity, no amount of giftedness can get us out of some of the situations that we face on a regular basis. We are inherently weak, mortal, fallible. Our emotions get pulled into our situation and we can't get out. And we need the power of God to deliver us and to guide us through. Because otherwise, we're not going to have a healthy, well-timed, wise decision. And we're going to create more problems for ourselves. And we need God's power and his wisdom, which he will more than gladly provide for us if we ask him. Look how he does it here in verse 19. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arms with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. And then look at verse 21. Do not be terrified by them. What's the answer to terror and anxiety? An internal upheaval, it's right here. For the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. Miraculous signs and wonders, mighty hand and outstretched arm. He is among us. He is great and awesome. And you know, as New Testament believers, we've got 
a trump card that is even greater than those. And you know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you and me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant, above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that is now at work within us, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we got something better than the Israelites had. The third person of the Trinity, who, by the way, brought Jesus and the Father along with him to come live in us at the point of our salvation, is there waiting to exercise his power and wisdom for us when we need to get through a difficult situation. I love what someone, I don't can't attribute this to anybody, but someone said, all too often, our problem is that we rely on our mental horsepower instead of God's supernatural ability. And if, as I've said in years past, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> How many times have we exerted our mental horsepower to work our way through something when God is there with his supernatural power ready to work on our behalf? You know, if we want to avoid disaster, unnecessary fallout, useless rabbit trails, consumption of our valuable time and energy, and eventual burnout, we just need to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, for God to come through for us, we need to recognize God's promises, and they're awesome. Look at verse 19. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. And I love this. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Verse 22. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Verse 23 and 24. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand against you. You will destroy them. You know what that's called? It starts with a P. Anybody want to guess? It's called the promise. And there are lots of them in the, the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit gives us lots of promises. I'm going to talk about promises for a couple minutes this morning. Any promise found in the Bible or translated to your spirit through the Holy Spirit as you worship Him and pray to Him I'm talking about legitimately from God, is fair game to claim. Any of them. Any of them. Hebrews 6, 16 through 18, tells us that when God makes a promise, he swears an oath on his own character, and then it says, it is for it is impossible for God to lie. And so if he promises it, then he'll do it. My God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Claim it. Claim it. And there are so many promises in Scripture. And when we face needs or difficult circumstances, it is important that we have been going through the Word of God and spending time with him in prayer so we're acquainted with those promises. You know, one person estimated that there are 3,573 3, promises in the Bible. And Herbert Lockyer wrote a book called All the Promises in the Bible, and he claims to list about 8,000 of them. 
and I just kind of split them in two just to average it out, about 6,000 promises in the Bible given to us by God. Promises that have to do with eternal life to forgive us, to restore us, to repair us, to, 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 to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Promises for meeting our needs, providing our, us with enough money and finances to get through life, for healing, for making something good out of something bad, for giving us wisdom, guidance, and direction. Promises for our future. Promises concerning our children. Promises for inner peace. Promises for overcoming temptation. Promises for protection to take away our fears. Promises for a bodily resurrection after this life in heaven. Promises that we'll never suffer again once we go to be with the Lord. Promises that we'll be reunited with our believing loved ones in heaven. Promise, 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 promises that God is in control over the nations and the leaders of the nations and the elections. God's in control, by the way. Don't get your tail tied in too big of a knot over what's going on politically. God's in control, okay? And when we get into the Word and we read these and then, and then the Holy Spirit also translates promises to us that may not even be in the Word of God in some senses, very specific promises, they're ours to claim. Now, this is not name it and claim it. Don't go out and say, oh, Pastor Mitch, he went over the edge. You know, he said we can create our own reality. No, I'm not saying that. But... Let's not go to the other extreme, right? There's tons of stuff to claim. And as we read God's Word, which is one of the reasons why we should, and as we pray and listen to the Spirit, God reveals some wonderful promises. He's done it in my life in recent days. And I'm just like, wow! I really, God? That's a promise from you? I'm not going to tell you what it is because it might be different from yours, but He will if he promises, he will deliver, and he promises to, to come through for you. It's just that clear. Well, that, that brings us to a fifth point um, on the subject of God coming through for us. If we want a God to come through us, we need to relate to the situation, be uh, upfront and honest about it, remember God's faithfulness, rely on his power, recognize his promises, and then we need to resolve to trust him in faith that he's going to do it. That's our part. You know, Hebrews eleven six says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Okay? God wants us to trust him to be faithful to us regardless of our circumstances or our situation. That he will come through for us. Now, Take comfort. You don't need a lot of faith to do this. Jesus said if you have faith as small as a grain of a what? Mustard seed. You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So it's not our great faith that makes God come through for us. It's our faith in a great God to do what he says he'll do for us. And I love that because I'm not the most... I don't have this enormous gift of faith. But one thing God has given me is when he says it, I have my mustard seed right there. And you're, God, you said it, and I don't have great faith, but I have faith in a great you, and I believe it, and I'm holding on to that, and you're going to do it. And say, well, I don't have much faith. Well, pray for faith. 
like the man in Mark chapter 9, where, where he said, I believe, Jesus, but help my unbelief. Give me more faith. But you've got to have faith. What does James tell us? If you don't have faith, you're unstable. You've got to trust God. And is it really that hard? It's not when we have such a great God, a loving, need-supplying God. Okay, moving along quickly to number six. If we want God to come through for us, we must, this is really a key here. There are eight. The sixth one here is, is really key because it's here where we run into trouble and it's tough. It's hard. It's grueling. Uh, we, there's no movement and we don't see God. And this is, this is what we need to understand. We need to realize that when it comes to God's deliverance, God has un unique timing and unique methods. You with me all right still? It's not 90 in here yet, okay? So don't, don't wilt on me. It'll be 90 out there, I guess, but not in here. But God has unique timing and methods. Okay, look at this. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy this. Verse 20. And this is how God's going to do it for the Israelites. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the what, everybody? The, the hornet. Hmm. Among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand and wipe, you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. Hornets! That's unexpected, isn't it? Hornets. God's going to use hornets. I have personal experience with hornets. It wasn't good. When we used to live up on Village Road and I was weed whacking up in the front of our lawn. Some of you have been there and it's pretty good-sized front lawn. There was an old dead cedar tree that some ground hornets had built a nest in, and I was weed-whacking happily, and, and then I stepped either on or near that nest, and uh, they started to sting me, and I, I personally believe I set the, the world record for the 100-meter dash <laughs> as I went from the front of our property into the house. It's quite the thought, isn't it? <laughs> but... Uh, but I, I moved fast. It hurt. And that's just your garden variety little ground hornet. Um, man, I found an article here about the mothers of all hornets. China orders mass extermination of killer hornets that have claimed over 40 lives. I purposely didn't bring pictures because that's all you would have been thinking about the rest of the day. But they are enormous. The Chinese government has ordered the mass extermination of the killer hornets that have been terrorizing the country. More than 40 people have lost their lives, with many more people injured from the toxic sting of the Asian hornets. The giant hornets, which can grow as large as 5 centimeters, that's over 2 inches, two to between 2 and 3 inches. And there's pictures here. If you really want to see this, just Google, go to, just put giant Asian hornets. And you'll, they'll come up. The over two inches long, two to three inches, with a six millimeter stinger 
That's over a quarter of an inch. They are an annual problem, but the problem has worsened this year with warmer than average temperatures. Um, envir environmental activists have also moved to blame the rapid urbanization for worsening the problem as more of their natural habitats is swallowed up by urban developments. Between 2002 and 2005, there were 36 deaths and 715 people injured. The giant hornet can cause anaphylactic shock and renal failure and death. And they also, they're in Japan, they're in Britain, and in a few southern states. They haven't been reported here, thank goodness. But uh, I'm not here to talk at length about hornets, but if I were to, uh, if you had walked in here this morning, and I was, okay, today we're going to talk about how Israel was delivered by God in a dramatic, unusual, exciting, and different way, how long would we be sitting here trying to figure out what that would be if you had not read this passage? We may never get out of here. How many of us would have guessed two to three inch hornets with a quarter inch stinger, a swarm, a flock, a herd of those things by the hundreds and thousands swarming over the enemies of Israel and not one person surviving? We wouldn't have guessed that. We wouldn't have guessed that. So what's the point? And it's a great point, and I love this point. I really do. God works in unique and mysterious ways. Don't try and guess how God's going to get you out of the fix ahead of time, because you probably won't. Don't try, well, God's going to do it this way. I know how it's going to work out. Has that ever worked for you? That's never worked for me. But God will work in unusual, exciting, uh, surprising ways when we rely on him. He works outside the box. He comes through for you and me in unique ways that we would never guess. He'll help you. He'll help you in exciting and refreshing ways to defeat the opposition you're facing, to solve dilemmas, to deal with roadblocks and problems and difficult circumstances. Now, I, I asked if we could sing. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. God will make a way for our closing song. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, draw me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. He will. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what's causing you anxiety and worry. I don't know what's creating insecurity or uncertainty, but it doesn't matter because there's some hornets waiting to work on your behalf. But... God's way, right? Not ours. Now let's look at his timing, because he has methods and timing. Verse 22. The Lord your God will drive out these nations before you. What's the next three words, class? Little by what? Doggone it. <laughs> I wanted it all at once, Lord. But little by little. You know, God, they say God's never late, but he's never what? He's never early either. He's got a timing. And note the reason for the timing, at least he gives that. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. You see, if, 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 if God eliminated Israel's enemies all at once, then there'd be nobody there to keep these wild animals at bay from attacking the Israelites. So God did it little by little. What's the point? God knows what's best for us and how to do what he does for us to deliver us and come through for us. He has a timing that's in our best interest. 
And it usually has to do with maturing us and growing us up and helping learn lessons that he wants us to learn. But again, if they would all been vanquished at the same time, the Israelites would have been in a peck of trouble. You say, well, God, why can't you hurry up for me? I'm done with this. I'm tired. God says, no, you've got things to learn. And if I did it all at once, it wouldn't be good for you. And so he, he moves slow to protect us. But notice it's still certain. It's still certain between verses 22 and 24, the word he will or the phrase he will is mentioned about six or seven times. Let's look at it. Okay? But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you. Verse 24, he will give their kings into your hand and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. Uh, verse 24, you will destroy them. Will, you will, you will, you will. It'll happen, you will. It's going to get taken care of. I will resolve your dilemma. I will get you through that challenge. I will meet your need. It's going to happen, but it'll be in my time and in my way. Okay, quickly now to number seven. As I said, there are number eight. And this may be where you want to check out mentally from the message, okay? But if God's going to come through for us, we must refuse to entertain God-revealed sin. God-revealed sin. Now first, let's be clear. If God coming through for you and me in difficult situations was dependent on our being sinless and perfect every day, would it ever happen? Not for me. Not for me. Because we're so weak. So God does come through for us regardless of our weakness and of our, you know, our failures. But there are times when God specifically reveals to us wrong attitudes and actions and sins that he tells us we need to deal with and repent of with his strength or he will close us off from his blessings and his deliverance. There will be no forward progress. Let's see what, it, what these are, just out of curiosity. Okay, verse 25. The images of their gods, of the pagan gods, you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and gold on them and do not take it for yourselves or you will be ensnared by it for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you like it will be set apart for destruction. Utterly abhor and detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. And what is going on here? Okay. He's telling the Israelites, stay away from the sins of your uh, surrounding culture. Okay, now, that's what he's talking about. God's people are not to take on the sinful characteristics of the world and of the culture around them. What does Paul say in Romans? Do, don't be conformed to this world. No, we're in the world, and we need to love the world in the name of Jesus, but we are not to be like the world. And I, again, I'm not going to get into specific stuff. I'll let the Holy Spirit just massage your heart a little bit right now. But is there an attitude or an action? Are there words that you're speaking, things that you're thinking, actions that you're taking that are more like the world than they are like a holy child of God? I mean, God, you know, again, God picks specific times to talk to us about these things, but if he has mentioned that to you, an attitude, an action, a word, 
a behavior that he is not pleased with. And he's saying, Mitch, you've got to deal with this now. With my help, I'll help you, but you've got to deal with this. Or don't expect my deliverance in ways that you want it. And that's what he's telling these Israelites. Okay? He's saying, uh, don't take on the sinful characteristics of the world and the culture around them. Don't do it. You are a holy people. Act holy in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the, the gate is open for me to pour my deliverance through your life. And so we have to say, well, am I bitter? Am I angry? Am I lustful? Am I malicious? Am I a gossip? Am I stubborn? Am I, I mean, you know, the list could go on and on. Well, what's God talking to me about? Deal with it with his strength. And then his deliverance will pour through you. Listen to this amazing quote. I love this. Pastor Greg Laurie says, Obedience to God's revealed truth opens us up to truths yet unrevealed. You're supposed to go, ooh, at that point. Isn't that good? Obedience to God's revealed truth opens us up to truths yet unrevealed. When we obey what he tells us, he gives us more. Look at verse 1, our last verse this morning. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord God promised on oath to your forefathers. He says, obey me in those areas that I reveal and, then I, and watch me work on your behalf. And then lastly, in order for God to come through for us, we must have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, if you're not a Christian here today, we love you, and God loves you, but pretty much you have to erase everything you've heard so far because you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You have no connection with him, and because you don't have a connection with him, you don't have a basis for which he can come through for you on. Notice what, how God talks to the Israelites. Look at verse 6 of the same chapter. The covenant relationship he has with these, these Israelites. For you are a pe people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than old, other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, and he is the faithful God, keeping the, his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. But those who hate him will repay to their face, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay their, to their face those who hate him. What a great picture of a person coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. God chooses us to be part of his holy, righteous family, treasured by him, not because of anything we did, but because he loved us. And by his grace through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins, when God judged Jesus for our sins, he judged our sins too. He brought us into the family of God by his grace. And when we trust him by faith, he brings us into a place from sinner to saint through his son Jesus. But without that, we don't have a relationship 
with him. We don't have a context for his continual care and deliverance. We don't have a context for his continual help because we remain separated from him because of our sin and our independence and rebellion. We're not related to him. In fact, verse 10 says, destruction, permanent eternal destruction in hell awaits those who will not turn to God in Christ. There's only one way to do that if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's kind of an ABCD thing, really. Admit that you're a sinner. You need Jesus to forgive your sin. Okay? Sin is separating you from God. Admit it. Believe in faith that God sent Jesus, his eternal son, in human flesh to to absorb upon himself every sin and all the judgment for our sin upon himself in our place on the cross. And then call on him to forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. And then devote yourself to be a lifelong follower of Jesus, proving that your initial conversion was valid. And when you do that, you have now set up a situation where God will come through for you on a regular basis. So let's go back to the beginning of the message and close with this, okay? In your mind, as you sit here this morning, just do this if you want. Just in your mind, if you want to close your eyes, that's cool, pray it, but just in your mind, God, my heart's prayer right now is that you'd come through for me in this area. Please help me in this area and fill in the blank. God, intervene for me. Fill in the blank. Work on my behalf. Guide me in this area. Fill in the blank. Provide for me. Lead me. Give me wisdom. Help me endure. Deliver me from. Strengthen me through. Meet my need. Restore me in this particular area. Make something good out of my mistakes. And then fill in the blank. What is it that's unique to your life and your situation? Fill it in and then say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I hand this over to you. Come through for me and I trust you to do that. And whatever it is, God will come through for you in his time and in his way. That's the wonderful truth for all of us here this morning. It's yours to claim today. I hope you trust him for that. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, picture of uh, the Israelites and how it applies to each one of us here today. If we haven't gone through trials, we are in them now. And if we're not in them now, we're going to be. And I can't help but think with a, si- a crowd this size that there are people who need you to come through for them in special ways. And I just pray you'd give them an assurance and fill them with your Holy Spirit as they trust you and obey you and wait on you for your unique time and method. Thank you, God, for working on our behalf. We appreciate it so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.